I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here with Richard Henderson, Global Security Strategist with Absolute. Richard, we've been talking about IoT devices, the Internet of Things. Of course, this is going to be a really hot topic here at RSA this year, among some other things. But when it comes to IoT, you made a point earlier that I think is worth expanding on, and that is how it relates to some of the legal implications that we may see down the road. So um, an entity that has a number of these Internet-connected devices that are compromised and then used for some type of attack, could they be held legally responsible? I think we're at a point in the world now where companies really need to start paying closer attention to the legal implications of, of these tens of thousands of devices. They're just unboxing and turning on inside their networks. I think the Mirai botnet attack on Dyne was, was hopefully a wake-up call for a lot of CISOs out there to really think about, you know, what could happen to us if 5,000 of the webcams we've put inside our, our, our facilities around the world are, are subverted and, and enlisted in a giant denial of service or click fraud or whatever type of botnet? Um, could someone hold us responsible for that if another giant attack were to take place and take down another Dyne or take down Amazon for a day or take down eBay for a day? I mean, Amazon does a staggering amount of e-commerce every minute of every day all year round. And if Amazon goes down because of a massive botnet attack, they're going to come calling. They're going to come looking for someone who is responsible for that attack. And if you're found to be, you know, the 10,000 devices in your, in your in your infrastructure are partially responsible for 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 launching that attack against against uh, that retailer. Um, they're going to want some sort of compensation. I hope that Mirai was a wake-up call for a lot of a lot of companies. Uh, but if it's not, and we see another attack at that scale, like we saw uh, late in 2016, um, expect the lawyers to get involved. So let's talk a little bit about IoT devices. You mentioned earlier that, and I don't think this comes as any surprise, that a lot of these devices are not secure. Of course, security is not really what developers or anyone has in mind when they're manufacturing these devices. But you mentioned that these devices are never going to be patched and therefore will remain vulnerable to not only emerging attacks, but old attacks as well. Why is it that these devices will never be patched? There's just too many of them out there? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that. One is IoT devices typically are made fast and they're made cheap and they're usually not made very well because time to market is critical, uh, margins are tight, um, it can be very difficult for companies to bring something to market that's been vetted in the way that we're used to vetting code in, in other parts of information technology. I don't hold anybody at fault for that, that's just the way that things have developed. And really, I mean, if I were to ask people in a room, a show of hands, of people who'd be willing to pay $1,000 for a thermostat, I'd be surprised if I saw one hand. Because that's what it's going to cost for these manufacturers to, to, to really develop the, the iron-clad, secure, super tight, free from vulnerability code that, that's going to be needed. And then on top of that, the long-term support that goes with supporting these devices. I mean, we forget that by the time some of these devices come to market, uh, a manufacturer's already one, two, three generations ahead in the next product life, and the, the product cycle's long gone by the time something comes to market. Devices are obsolete by the time they get to market. So it's difficult for companies to, uh, at least on physical devices, 
to come back and patch these devices because one, they may not have access to the code anymore, they may have subcontracted that development out to another company, uh, the men and women who actually develop the software or the firmware inside these devices may not be part of that company anymore, and they may not have the expertise anymore to go back. Or security may not be a, a perspective that they're, they're paying attention to from the beginning. They just want to get a device out there and security is an afterthought usually. So. It can be very difficult for companies to, when it comes to manufacturing these devices, to make sure that security is at the forefront of everything they do, because it's not their job. I mean, right. that's our job. Right. And, and I think part of what we do as security professionals is to try and educate these, these companies and these manufacturers on, on better ways to do things securely when it comes to IoT devices. We're not there yet, but... Like I said, I think Mirai was, was very much a, a paradigm shift when it comes to the, the security of, of, of smart devices. And my fingers are crossed that um, these manufacturers have got the message. I mean, we talked about um, uh, D-Link and the FTC fines. I mean, the FTC, I think, really also made a lot of lawyers and CISOs you know, sit up and pay attention to what's going on with these devices. I mean, I don't want to pick on D-Link because there's plenty of other manufacturers out there who are shipping devices that aren't as secure as they could be. Um, but if these people and these manufacturers don't get their act together and start shipping much more secure devices or devices that are patched rapidly when a vulnerability is brought to light, um, I'm sure that we will see the FTC or, or um, the equivalent agencies, in, especially in the EU, um, really start to, to, to smack some hands and, and lay down some pretty heavy fines. So let's take it a step further. So we know that from a manufacturing perspective, it's very difficult to bake in the security. It'd be very difficult to issue a patch that could be sent out to all these different devices. You're an organization then that has these internet connected devices that you're utilizing and you don't even really know how many of those devices you have so it becomes an endpoint security issue at that point right how do you address it so you're gonna have to ensure that you're working with security vendors and you have security staff who have solutions in place that can auto discover devices that show up on your network that have um, platforms in place that are able to alert your SOC teams when something pops up that you weren't aware of now this they don't have to be like burn down the house, five alarm fire, you need to go take a look at this right now. But you know, it should be part of, of your regular process as a security team to, to look for these devices. And that can, that can require active scanning of your network, but it could require passive scanning of your network as well. Um, sniffing the traffic as it comes by the wire, looking for telltale signs of, of devices that you didn't expect to see on your network. Or for example, you thought you only had a hundred of these smart devices and all of a sudden you're seeing traffic from a thousand of them, you might want to, you know, send a couple emails out and say, hey, what's going on here? Where did all this extra traffic come from? It could be multiple things. It could be a malfunctioning device. It could be a device that's been subverted and being used in a botnet. Or it could be that some business unit in your organization has decided to buy a thousand more devices and just plug them in. We like to think that these things don't happen in, in well-run networks, but they do because at the end of the day, technology is just a driver of business for a lot of these enterprises and, and uh, the security aspects alone almost always an afterthought. Uh, security just can often get in the way of getting business done and, and it's not as bad as it used to be but we've, we've gotten a lot better at making security baked into the whole equation and being you know, an enabler of business as opposed to just a detractor to business. 
Right, but I think that's going to be a whole new challenge now that we have devices that were not historically connected to the internet that are, right? So you're teaching a whole new realm of, of manufacturing and organizations about the need for security. Well, the whole IoT and operational technology piece is a whole other piece of the equation when it comes to manufacturing. That um, for the longest time, all these, these manufacturing devices, the machines themselves that make other things, you know, they were never designed 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago to be connected to anything other than a local serial connection that someone ran the machine physically. And then we have companies that come along and offer bolt-on solutions to allow companies to remotely manage all these manufacturing devices for, for telemetry or metrics or, or, or remote management or whatever. These devices often have connections directly to the low-level hardware. Um, you know, it's serial to Ethernet converters, things like that. Um, and a lot of these devices, and this goes back years now, I mean, I did some research looking into some of these devices a long time ago. Um, a lot of these devices don't have any security whatsoever. They don't even have authentication built in. If you know what to connect to in, in a specific fashion mm -hmm. or what port to connect to, a lot of times you can find devices they'll they'll just dump you right to a shell and you have complete control over some of these devices i mean i've seen irrigation systems like this you know remote weather stations it's scary to think that there are a lot of these devices out there right now that have direct access to the hardware themselves and people can literally over the internet just turn things on and off well richard i'd like to thank you again for your time it was a pleasure to be here don't let the iot scare you because i mean it's not going away if you think about what the world looked like 10 years ago before I used the iPhone as an example. It's a whole different world 10 years on. What's yeah. 10 years from now going to look like? Again, we've just heard from Richard Henderson of Absolute. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.